0: A few years ago, from an undisclosed West African country, an enterprising gentleman came up with a very enterprising scheme. He managed to convince an official banker in Brazil that he was representing the building of a new airport in the capital city of his country. And in order to get this elaborate scheme to work he promised an official in Brazil a commission of ten million pounds sorry, ten million dollars, forgive me, ten million dollars. And of course this a uh, banker in Brazil was very excited by the fact of being able to earn 10 million dollars for doing something relatively easy and just signing a few papers and getting a few people to get excited about this airport that was going to be built. How could this man afford to pay the commission of 10 million U.S dollars? Because he took 242. Million dollars from the bank and then paid the banker back from his gains. The airport hasn't been built, the man was found and he suffered, he suffered time in prison for his scam. You may not have had that scam brought to yourself, but I have certainly had letters and emails that have come to me telling me that the person who's sending this is the late or the son of the late king or queen of such and such, or the husband or the wife of some high profile executive in an oil company. And in a bank in somewhere in the world, there is a few million pounds. And if I just do this, then all this money is mine. I hope none of you have wrote these letters. There are people in Cyprus who apparently are doing that. But because of this, we've got a saying in England, if something is too good to believe, it probably is. And because of this attitude, because of this, this scamming that we're seeing around, because you just look at lies all around us, I mean, washing powder. The washing powder. Have you seen the washing powder adverts? Have you ever managed to get your whites as white as the whites in the washing powder advert? I don't think you have. I know that Africans are very good at getting things white again, and I, I don't know how you do it, but it's never quite as sparkly white as what the washing powder does in the advert. Or, or maybe you've seen the, the advert that will let you, let you shed weight in minutes if you drink this thick shake. Three shakes a day and an egg, and, and, and you will lose pounds. And you'll lose pounds of money, but you don't lose the weight. And because of these things, we live in a world that's become cynical. And a world that's become cautious. And that spoils our excitement when we come to God's Word. Because sadly, there are times when we approach God's Word in the same way. We approach it as as what the world is teaching us to approach it and, and we become cynical and we become cautious and when we come to these last verses in this prayer what Jesus is saying is truly breathtaking it is incredible uh, I have, this is the, the, the part of John that I've struggled with the most to be able to preach I, I've, been, I've been like a bear with a sore head this week at home and I apologise to the family It's just been too much to to assimilate. It's just so great. And, And you could read this and you could almost say it's just too good to believe. It's too good to be true. It's just incredible because believer, Christian believer, if you are truly born again, if you're truly trusting in the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, Jesus prayed for you. Now Jesus moves in this prayer here which is given to us in chapter 17 in verses 1 to 5. He prays directly for himself. He doesn't pray selfishly. He prays for himself to be glorified so that God will be glorified. And then he moves on in verses 6 to 19 and prays for all the believers. Well, not, Sorry, so he, moves on to 6, he prays for his disciples. And then he moves on to this last section and he prays... For every true Christian believer. Verse 20. I do not ask for these only. That's the disciples he's just prayed for. But also for those who will believe in me. That's all true Christians. And so that is where we're at. A few years ago, As a family we managed to go on a trip to Turkey and we went to a place called Cappadocia. And Cappadocia is uh, a a, a very rich in heritage and history and it's made out of volcanic rock and people have carved houses and dwellings into the volcanic rock and there's got these fairy castles that go up and in the cliffs and it's just a, a very amazing part of the world. And and some of the views you would look at were just astounding. Great valleys with all these little fairy chimneys and houses and dwellings from years gone by and just scenery that looks incredible. Uh, Apparently some of the uh, Star Wars movie effects and films were were, were done there because of the the, the way the land flowed. and It just seems like an out-of-this-world type of place. And and we as a family, we would sort of get out of the car and look at these views and be like, you you just couldn't take it in, it was just so great. And then suddenly, because we live in this selfie day and age, a great big bus would turn up, screech to a halt, and then out of it would, 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 a whole mass of, of, of tourists would come out. And the ones that really struck me were the ones from the Far East. And they'd come out and they'd all be there with their selfie sticks. And making a lot of noise. And running around and taking photos and selfies. And then they would run around and take the photos, get back in the bus and vanish. And that's what happens in this day and age. People are too busy to stop and look at the view. And everyone's just taking selfies and, and posting the images of their selfies and looking for likes, and they forget to look around at what's happening. And so again, when we come to God's Word, we can do the same. We have this selfie-like attitude. We don't take time out to take a step back to look at what's going on. Or we become so cautious and so cynical we're robbed of the wonder of what God's Word is saying to us. I want us to take a step back to, to put our cell phone away. We're not taking a selfie here. What we want to do is, is if we want to take a step back and look at the amazing beauty and the wonder of what's been said in these verses. Think about this. Every true believer, every true Christian in here, 2,000 years ago, Jesus was alive and he prayed for you. I want to say that again. I want you just to to, to look at that and and think about that. I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me. You can almost put your own name in that. You, You think of it and look at it like that in context. That's what you can do. Jesus is saying, I do not ask for these only, but I also ask for those who will believe in me. I also ask for Pastor James. I also ask, put your, if you are trusting in the Lord Jesus Christ as your Saviour, your name is there. Jesus prayed for you. But we have, to, we have to note right now is this prayer, and the wonder of this prayer is not for everyone. It is only for those that believe in Jesus. Leah's not here now. Leah's probably not going to listen to this sermon. So I'm going to use it as an illustration and I will apologise to her later. Leah, I think, was just a little bit jealous when Jacob arrived as a baby. They were quite close. And as her big sister, she was very protective of Jacob. Jacob. So much so that when there was a toy that she liked and she didn't want Jacob to have it she would look at it and to see what age it was for. And if it said recommended for age three and above she'd say no three-year-olds, sorry Jacob. She she was caring for him obviously but it said no three-year-olds so no three-year-olds should touch it, yeah? This prayer is just for God's people. If you are not a child of God, if you're not trusting in the Lord Jesus Christ as your saviour, none of the blessing and the majesty and the wonder that we'll be exploring over the next few weeks is for you. It's not yours. Because you are not a child of God. And that's serious. And you may think, well, what on earth is a preacher preaching for if he's not preaching something that is any good for me? There's a lot of good for unbelievers in here. And I trust you come to know the Lord as your saviour. If you're not already. But what I want to emphasise here at the beginning is this prayer is for those that believe in the Lord Jesus Christ as their saviour. And if you don't believe in the Lord Jesus Christ as your saviour, you need to. And we're going to develop that and see that further. Before that, I just want you to think like this. I want you to imagine that uh, the president of your country, or the president of a country that you esteem and hold up highly, he mentions you in one of his speeches. Can you imagine that? Let, let, let's, let's just say, for the sake of my benefit, the uh, Prime Minister Boris Johnson is, is making a speech and he says, And now I want to say a few words about James Swanson in Cyprus. Such a great, fine fellow. This does this, does that, does the other, and the rest of it. Now, if that happened, what would I be doing with that? I might post it, mightn't I? And, and if something similar happened to you, that if, if you had someone speak about you of that level, you would, you would, you would hold on to that, wouldn't you? It would be something that was special to you your great-grandchildren get bored of it because you'll be showing on some antiquated device to them in 50 years' time look here, this is me (laughs) and it would be huge, wouldn't it? but but let's think about this Jesus the Son of God the second person of the Trinity the Creator of the world who has no beginning who has no end who is the Saviour of the world He prayed for you Christian friend, he prayed for you. Hours before he was arrested, so much on his mind. Hours, literally probably an hour or so before he was sweating drops of blood because of the stress that he was going through. He took time out of his life to pray for you. I want to get excited about this because it's exciting and I want you to be excited about it because it is truly astounding. And I'm going to use the, the, the word awesome now in its proper context. This is not awesome like a pizza is awesome. This is not awesome like a car is awesome. This isn't awesome like a party. This is awesome because this is truly incredible. And it seems too good to be true. But Jesus prayed for you if you're a believer sometimes possibly too often when we have a bag of potato chips, crisps I don't know what you call them and they're there and we're sharing them Mummy Rachel reminds me that I should be eating them slower She, she thinks I shouldn't put so many in my mouth at once She tells me that I would enjoy them more if I savored them. I'm still not convinced. But when it comes to God's word, that's what we need to do. We need to take a step back here. We need to savour what has been said. We need to bask in the wonder of what's going on here. This is incredible. Jesus has prayed for himself and to be glorified and for God to be glorified. And then he's moved on and prayed for those 11 disciples that were around and about him. And then he takes a step back and he prays for you and he prays for me. He prays for everyone here and online who is trusting in the Lord Jesus Christ as their saviour. Now, if this doesn't excite you, you've got a problem. If this does not excite you, there is something wrong. If this doesn't excite you, at best, it's because you've grown spiritually cold. Like the Laodiceans, maybe neither hot nor cold. Or maybe worse, if this doesn't excite you, it's more than likely because you are spiritually dead and you don't know God the Father as your Father through the Lord Jesus Christ. And so I want you to just ask yourselves honestly as I am thinking and and sharing these things with you as I'm emphasizing this point that Jesus prayed for you as a believer are you excited about it? Because if you are thinking wow if you're thinking this is just too good to be true then you are getting it. And you're getting it because there's been a work of grace in your heart, in your life. But if you're just thinking to yourself, what is that white man getting excited about? It's a bit unusual. He's raised his voice. They don't normally do that. He's waved his arms around. What's going on? It's because you don't realize the wonder of who Jesus is. You don't realize the amazingness of the fact that Jesus Christ has prayed for his people. So what did Jesus pray about? This is what we're going to be exploring over the next week or so together. Certainly uh, today and probably the following week and maybe next week depending on, on how it goes. Before we look at exactly what Jesus was requesting, because there's some particular prayer requests here that Jesus makes, there's some, there's some observations that I want us to, to understand. There's some themes that, that come out here. And by understanding these themes, it will really then help us to understand the, 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 the wonder of the requests that have been made. I don't know if you've been to a, an art gallery with an expert. You've probably all seen some, some uh, of the famous paintings, maybe seen them in, in, a, in a book or on, on, a, uh, on a video or something, and you, you, you look at the, an amazing painting, or, or you, you look at a painting with the artist, and you, and you look at the painting, and, and you see it, and you think, that, that, that looks good, that looks interesting. And then you start walking away from it. But if you're there with an expert, they can show you details and, and look into things and point to things that make you understand it all the more. Or if you're there with the actual artist themselves, they can tell you what they were thinking behind it and, and what was going on in their minds and what this was, what this was rep- meant to be representing and what this was showing. And, and you see it all the better. Now, I don't want to just look at this picture and say, that's amazing, Jesus prayed for us and walked out. There's so much more for us to get. And, and to be able to get the really amazing things, we have to look at some things in the first place. And so it's like this. When you climb a mountain, and and I love climbing mountains, there's a frustrating part to climbing mountains. The, The great goal of climbing a mountain is to get to the top and you have the view and you have the sense, yes, we've done it. But often to get to the top, you go up a little hill and then down one, and then up a little one and then down. You have these little foothills that get in the way. But they have to be gotten over to get the best view. Now friends, we are going to get to some really incredible stuff in this passage. We are. And there's some little foothills we've got to go over. Now what we're going to... These tasters, these hors d'oeuvres, if you like, are amazing in themselves. But they are just introducers to to where we're going. But we need to understand them so that we can really benefit and be blessed by what Jesus is, is praying for here for, for you and for me, for believers. So the first thing I want us to note here is the Trinity. The Trinity. The, the last few chapters f- from, from the Gospel of John that we've been looking through, there's the, what's called the farewell discourse or the upper room discourse. It's when Jesus is preaching to his 11 disciples and it's arguably probably the best sermon that's ever been recorded and then after that we have this chapter 11 and that's what we call the high priestly prayer and and you possibly could argue that's the best prayer that's ever been recorded and throughout this best sermon and throughout this best prayer it's full of references to the Trinity and now what do I mean by Trinity, What what do we mean by Trinity when we talk about Trinity and We can't actually find the word Trinity in the Bible. It's not a Bible word. But the principle and the concept is totally there. God, there is one God. And then within the Godhead, there is God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And in this passage, we clearly see God the Father and God the Son. Jesus is speaking to God the Father. We asked Bim-Bim the question, and and she got it straight away, didn't she? Jesus is speaking to the Father. And in verse 21, it says, this is Jesus speaking, that they may be one. That's speaking about the, 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 the believers, us. Just as you, Father, are in me, And I in you. And so we have this picture of two parts of the Trinity there the Father and the Son, in one and as God. Now, the Holy Spirit is not quite so clear in this passage, but he is unequivocally there. In verse 26, Jesus is saying, I made known to them your name. Jesus told the disciples back then about God the Father. And he says, I will continue to make it known. Hang about here. What's going on? I will continue to make it known. At the beginning of this uh, high priestly prayer, and before that, in his sermon, he says, I'm going to leave you. How can Jesus leave and go beside the Father and at the same time make his name known? Do you get the problem there? Do you get the issue of what's going on here? The argument that's going on here. Jesus has already said he's going to leave. He's going to go to the Father. He's going to sit in the right hand of God in glory. He's going to leave the disciples. And yet here he's saying, I will continue to make your name known. Jesus, you're not there. How are you going to make my name known? How are you going to make God's name known when you're not there? Well, God's word opens up God's word. If you go back to chapter 15 in verse 26 it says but when the helper comes whom i will send to you from the father the spirit of truth who proceeds from the father he will bear witness about me the holy spirit is whom jesus sent to be able to continue to make god's name known and in the beauty of the trinity Jesus was referring to the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit's work in very close connection with himself. And so here, in these verses, we see God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, the Trinity. You see how the Trinity works, and the relationship it is to each other is key to understanding some of the requests that Jesus is making. But we have a problem, don't we? Because the, the, the Trinity is a mind-blowing truth because we are just one person. We can't have... We, we, we just... That's it. And we, we, we are human. And what we have to remember is this is a truth that we have to believe. But we're not going to fully be able to explain it or understand it because we are human and we are not God. We get glimpses here into the Trinity. You see, we see the unity of the Trinity, and that's going to come out a lot later in Jesus' request. So let's, let's, let's think about this. There's a unity in the Trinity, just as you, Father, are in me, and I am in you. The unity between God the Father and God the Son. A closeness there. And Jesus goes on in verse 26, we've already said, I made known to them your name, and I will continue to make it known. And the only way that's going to continue to be made known is by God the Father, through Jesus, God's Son, through the work of the Holy Spirit. And we see this unity, and this means that the Father is God, and Jesus is God, and the Holy Spirit is God, and there is just one God but there are these three divine persons in the Trinity having their own role we see what Jesus God the Father's role was God the Father in verse 23 we see so that the world may know that you sent me, God the Father sent Jesus to this world where else we see this, for God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten Son God the Father had a way of salvation planned for this world God the Father sent His Son Jesus to provide that way of salvation but we see the Son's role and the Son obeys the Father and provides the way of salvation He's there for all who will believe in Him we get salvation by believing in the Lord Jesus Christ. If Jesus hadn't come to this world to pay the price, to overcome the world, as he tells us in chapter sixteen, thirty-three. if he hadn't come to overcome the world, if he hadn't come to pay the price for sin, if he hadn't come to do as the Father commanded him so that the world may know that I love the Father, John fourteen, thirty-one. If Jesus hadn't come in that way, and it wouldn't have worked. Jesus' role was to come here. And when he was praying this prayer, he was just hours away from the cross. And he was about to be glorified on the cross. And the cross, in many ways, is the epicenter of God's eternal redemptive plan. And Jesus was, had that role there to play, to take on himself the sins of his people. And so the ultimate expression of God's glory is demonstrated by the Son, who as a man is held up by the Holy Spirit and gives his life as a ransom for many. And and the Holy Spirit completes the planned work by the Father. You see, Jesus makes the way to be saved possible. Jesus pays the price for people's sins on the cross. But the Holy Spirit comes and he says, and I will continue to make it known. Or we see it more explicitly if we go back into chapter 15, verse 26. But when the helper comes, whom I will send from the Father, the Spirit of the truth who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness about me. And then in chapter 16, verse 8, and when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin. And righteousness and judgment. The Holy Spirit works in the hearts of God's people and draws them to Himself. We would never get it by ourselves. Nobody here has saved themselves you say of course we haven't we believe and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ as our saviour he is the only way and that's absolutely right but you wouldn't even believe in the Lord Jesus Christ as your saviour if the Holy Spirit hadn't come into your life to make that happen God the Father God the Son and God the Holy Spirit work in unison to bring salvation to us the three Persons of the Trinity are co-eternal. Verse 24, Father, I desire that they also whom you've given me may be with me where I am to see my glory that you've given me because you love me before the foundation of the world. Jesus didn't have a beginning. The Holy Spirit didn't have a beginning. God the Father didn't have a beginning. The Godhead didn't have the beginning. They were co-eternal. Before the foundation of the world was God. And God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit have always been. And so we have to think of it like this. When Jesus is praying for you, believer, he's praying to the Father who has given you to the Son and the Holy Spirit has worked in your heart and your life and brought you to him and so I say it again this prayer of Jesus is only for believers and if you are an unbeliever here today or if you are an unbeliever online in that I mean you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior. You don't know the Heavenly Father as your Heavenly Father. If you don't know the Holy Spirit as the one who's worked in your heart and your life, I can honestly say, I hope you are feeling very left out. Now, that might not sound kind, but it is. Because I don't want you to stay left out. Jealousy is a bad thing in lots of senses. But there's a time when jealousy can be right. Our God is a jealous God and he has a right to be jealous. And if you are not a Christian now, and if you're seeing something of the wonder of this prayer, I hope you're jealous. I hope you're saying to yourself, I wish I had something of that. I hope you're asking the question, how can I become part of this? How can I know that this prayer is for me? How can I come to know the Lord Jesus Christ as my Saviour? See, just as the Trinity is a major part of this prayer, so is the way of salvation. And I just want to, to bring this part together by just looking at the way of salvation. Because it's very much in this and it helps us understand what's going on as we continue to look at, into this prayer. Jesus says, I do not ask for these only, but for those who will believe in me through their word. The first key we see of the way of salvation in this prayer here is believing in Jesus. Salvation comes to us by believing in Jesus. The key to salvation is believing in Jesus, but not just assenting to him as a historical being, as someone who lived for a while. It's deeper than that. It's believing in Jesus as the disciples teach us. It goes on, doesn't it? He says, those who believe in me through their word. The disciples is who he's talking there, the eleven, the apostles, is through their word. So the way of salvation is believing in Jesus and it's believing through the word. Through the word of the disciples. Does that mean you're 2,000 years late? I, I haven't seen Peter or John or James, the apostles, recently. In fact, if you want, I can take you to Barnabas's tomb. We, we can't hear him speaking to us physically through our ears. But we do hear the words of the disciples, the words of God, because they've been preserved for us in the Bible in the Bible this is the truth and, and so if, if you're wanting to come to know the Lord Jesus Christ is your Saviour you need to believe in Jesus and you need to believe in Jesus of the Word the Word that the disciples brought to hear the words of the disciple. We come to know Jesus and his saving work through the words of his disciples that are recorded for us in the Bible. And so what, what is the key message of the disciples? What, what is it? And the, the gospel, sorry, we've got Matthew, Mark, Luke and John. And then immediately we go into the book of Acts. And the Acts is the record of the Acts of the Apostles. In reality, it's the Acts of the Holy Spirit, or it's a continuation of the church after Jesus left. But there is a record there of so much of what the Apostles and the disciples said. And if you do a quick survey of what goes on there, we can very quickly see what this is that we should be believing. If you want to... Follow this with me. Just open your, your, your Bibles or, or your devices, Acts, and, and chapter 4. And we're just going to whistle-stop through a quick summary of, of, of a whole heap of references that are there. What I will do is I'll, I'll put these references up on social media so you can catch them later and look in more detail. But in four two, chapter 4, verse 2, proclaiming, preaching that Jesus rose from the dead. A core message that we have to believe in is that Jesus rose from the dead. You see, in chapter 5:42, they did not cease preaching that Jesus is the Christ, Jesus is the Messiah. Jesus is the one who came to save people from their sins. Eight, four and eight, five and eight. Twelve is all about them preaching the word, preaching Christ, preaching the good news of the kingdom about God and the name of Jesus. Jesus came to save his people from their sins. They, 25 in chapter 8 and 35 of chapter 8 and 40 of the same chapter, they preached the gospel. They preached the good news. They spoke the words of Jesus. Chapter 10 and verse 36, they preached the good news. They preached the Lord Jesus Christ in 1120. 13.5, they proclaimed the word of God. In 13.32, they brought the good news that God had promised to the fathers. The Old Testament, the Old Testament promises are brought in, the good news. And they brought that good news that through this man, the forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you. The gospel is this, that the Lord Jesus Christ came to this world. He lived a perfect life. He died on the cross, but he did more than that. He gave up his life on the cross, but he did more than that. He took the sins of his people upon himself on the cross and he paid their debt for their sins. And the gospel, the good news is that, is if we call upon the name of the Lord, we shall be saved because Jesus has paid the price for our sins they preached the gospel 14.21, 15.7 that they preached the gospel and they told people to believe you can hear the gospel but you need to believe in the gospel 15.35 teaching and preaching the word of God 16.10 the gospel 17.3 Jesus was proclaimed is the Christ is the Messiah is the savior 17 18 preached that Jesus was resurrected why is the resurrection so important because the hold of sin is death and the wages of sin is death and death could not keep the Lord Jesus Christ in his grave because he had broken the power of sin he broken the power of the grave. He has shown to the world that the sacrifice he made is complete. Seventeen twenty three. He's telling these people that they worship an unknown god, and he proclaims who that is. He testifies the gospel to them. He brings it to them so that they may know. And then twenty six. Verse 23, it says that Christ must suffer and then he'd be the first to rise from the dead and he proclaimed the light both to our people and to the Gentiles. The disciples proclaimed that the Lord Jesus Christ died for the sins of his people. Who are his people? Anyone who calls upon the name of the Lord. Anyone who repents and believes, anyone who realizes that their sin is there and it needs dealing with because they can't sort it out themselves, anyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. The, the, the word gospel, good news, keeps on coming up, and you can summarize it really from the verse of Hebrews 2 and verse 10. Hebrews 2 and verse 10 reads like this. He for whom and by whom all things exist. Let's say it another way. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. God made everything. And he made it perfect. But there's a problem. That at that point of perfection, man sinned. And ever since then, every single man or woman has been a sinner. But Jesus here says in bringing many sons to glory we can be made right with God we can become part of his glory because he should make the founder of their salvation perfect through suffering Christ took the punishment for his people so that even though we rebelled against him we could be made right with him and so what do we see from this well this is Jesus praying for us, praying for his people. There is a way of salvation. And if you want people to be saved, if that's a concern of you, the best thing that you can do is share God's word with them. You see, there's all manner of techniques nowadays and schemes for evangelism. The most important thing is giving people God's word is sharing God's word, pointing them to the Lord Jesus Christ. We don't need clowns and films and, and, and music and carnivals. As one pastor said many years ago, he said, if you have to give a carnival to get people to come to church, then you have to keep on giving carnivals to keep them coming back. That was C.H. Spurgeon. You just need to give them God's word. Friends, if you want to see people saved... Give them God's word. Share God's word with them. Give them God's word. Point them to the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what this dying world needs. It needs the gospel. It needs the truth. They need to know that they are lost. But they can be found. And the process of being found is coming to the Lord Jesus Christ as their saviour. And they find that in his word we also see here that we, we need to believe in Jesus. We need to believe through the word. But we also see here that we need to know the Father. We need to believe in Jesus and his saving work. And that is the only way for us to know the Father. In chapter 14, verse 6, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus says in his prayer in in verse 25 of this chapter uh, 17 O righteous Father even though the world doesn't know you I know you and these know that you have sent me I have made them to know your name and I will continue to make it known that's an amazing thing Those of you that are Christians here this morning, not only has Jesus prayed for you, but He's made the Father known to you. One of my favorite painters is a guy called Monet. He painted uh, lots of different paintings, but there's a particular painting of lilies on a pond. And I would just love for the opportunity of Monet to be able to show me his painting and point out why he did certain things and how he did certain things so I can understand it better. And that's just a painting. Friends, those of you that are Christians, Jesus, God's only begotten son, his gift to this world, the creator of the world, the sustainer of the world, the word who was and is and will be, has come into your heart and your life and bore witness from God to you. And I haven't got the language to be able to express the wonder of what's going on here. But if you're a Christian, this is what's happened. Jesus has made God the Father known to you through the Holy Spirit. And if you can't say wow at that, then I don't know what you can say wow at. And so this means that when we pray for the lost on Tuesday evenings, when we pray for our family members that do not know the Lord as their Saviour, when we pray for the people of this land, or you pray for the people of your own homelands, when you're praying for the lost, what should we be praying? That the Holy Spirit comes and shows them Jesus. And Jesus will show them the Father. And they'll come to know God the Father through the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, we make it difficult for ourselves, don't we? Because we think we have to save them. We can't. But 2,000 years ago, Jesus showed the way. And the way is this, that the Holy Spirit comes. Jesus is introduced. And Jesus brings the Father. And the person is saved. And so that's how we should be praying. We should be pleading on Tuesday evenings that the Holy Spirit opens the eyes of the blind and lets them see Christ. And in seeing Christ, they will see and come to know the Father. And those of us that are trusting in the Lord Jesus Christ as our Savior, we are here and now, and we can take a step back and say, wow, this is what's happened. Friends, in this coming week, I want you to look at this view. I want you to meditate on the fact of what Jesus has done for you, and be just wowed by it. Because we're going to come back next week and we've got three requests that will make a lot more sense now we've gone over this ground. We're going to see that he requests unity, that he requests love, and he requests glory. And God willing, next week, we're going to look into those into more detail. Let's pray. Almighty God. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you that we can call you our Heavenly Father. We thank you that Jesus has made that way for us. We thank you that Jesus has prayed for us. But, oh, Lord God, we pray for any now, here or online, or who will be coming to the services later, that don't know you. We plead with you, Almighty God, that you would open their eyes to their need of you before it is too late, and that your Holy Spirit would show them Jesus and Jesus would bring them to the father in Jesus mighty name we prayed amen we're going to sing our closing hymn together now uh, it's going to come